Hello and welcome. This is Diane Lake, your host, and I'm going to be sharing how you can understand and apply the prophetic through practical terms, practical ways, and practical means that make it relevant to everyday life so that you can prepare the way for the Lord's purposes to manifest in the earth. This is Preparing the Way, That Practical Prophetic. Hi guys, welcome back. This is episode three. There stands before you an open door. Now I've had something happen since I last talked to you, and that is that my dad has passed away. He was 90 years old and a man of great faith, very passionate about the Lord, and he's in heaven. So um, that's a great blessing, but I wanted to just pass on some things to you that I'm going to be speaking about at his memorial service. I'm going to have the privilege, my husband and I, to do the memorial service real soon. And I know that I mentioned in my testimony in episode one that my mom and two brothers had died in a traumatic accident when I was 17, uh, 1978. This had a very big impact on my life. It was very, very hard for me. And it turns out that my brothers and sisters wanted to have us all listen to the memorial service tape from that service in 1978 in case there was something we wanted to use from it. My dad was a pastor. He did the service for my mom and my two brothers. At the end of that service, he had given an invitation to non-believers to read the book of John and to prayerfully consider, he had mentioned a few key verses from there, whether or not they needed to ask the Lord into their life and, and receive salvation. And as a direct result of that, my husband Alan is saved. His sister and brother-in-law were in the audience that day. They were saved, and the rest of his family got saved. Um, and so I, when I'm going to bring this message to them in a few days, I'm going to base it loosely on the book of John, anchor it in the book of John. And it turned out that some of the things that I'm speaking about at that service are things that I was going to record for the next episode of my podcast anyway. So I'm going to kind of roll it into one. Now remember, we have been talking about four areas that can hold you back in your growth of life in the Spirit and in how you hear the voice of the Lord. Because remember, we want to have practical ways we can hear the Lord's voice more clearly. So I think it's kind of cool that I'll actually be using some of my uh, material from the memorial service that I'm going to be doing for my dad to honor him and use it for a podcast as well. So what I wanted to say first is that there are certain spiritual principles and absolutes that we might not even recognize that are in scripture, but because God set it up that way, it's like an ir irrefutable life. You might uh, law, you might not even know that it's affecting your life is kind of what I'm trying to say. So anything that's revealed in God's word, even if it doesn't seem like it jumps out at you, you need to understand that there's some power behind that. So, I mean, think about, let's say, gravity, the law of gravity. You might not know about gravity. You might not understand how it works. You might not even believe in gravity. But if you step off of a tall building, you're still going to be hurt, okay? You're still going to get impacted by that thing you don't know about, can't see, and might not believe in, okay? So that's why we have to really examine what these things are that could be holding us back. 
uh, one of the first principles, we should all be aware of the need for salvation. I'm assuming if you're listening to this podcast, you are a believer. But you know, hey, let's not assume anything, okay? So the first principle is that Jesus came to provide the way for you to pass over from spiritual death unto life. You must receive salvation. It's in the word. It's a principle. It's a spiritual law like gravity. You you can't make it go away. I, I have described it like this. Um, you might not want someone to send you a friend request, but they do it anyway on Facebook, let's say, and you can either receive it, you can confirm it, you can ignore it, you can delete it, but you you have to know that invitation's already been sent. You don't control it. And when God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross, he in essence sent you a friend request. He sent you an invitation to receive salvation. And if you receive it, that's wonderful, that's great. If you reject it, not so good. If you ignore it, it's like a passive rejection. So let's look at the book of John. Um, since my dad had based his message on John, I'm going to be using quite a bit of John passages in, in this um, particular episode. John 5:24 says, Whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me, Jesus says, has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. John 3 tells us all about how our spirits must be born again so that we can enter the kingdom of heaven. And John 3:16 and 17, perhaps the most quoted verses for salvation, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He did not send his son, 17 continues, to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And Romans 3.23 and 6.23 are awesome gifts, or verses for salvation, the gift of salvation. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. All right, that's the first principle I'm going to talk about. The second principle, Jesus came not just so that we could have eternal life, but that we could live life on here more abundantly. John 10.10, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. So in other words, he just doesn't want us getting by with all of our wounds and our baggage and everything, scraping along day to day, barely existing. He wants us to live abundantly. And that whole context of John 10 is that the sheep hear his voice. So when I tell you that abundant life is a life where you can hear his voice more clearly, it's very deeply rooted in scripture, supported by scripture. I've mentioned this too. Something that I didn't understand is that your spirit is born again in an instant when you are saved. But there is more to salvation than that. There is a process. In the Greek, sozo is the word for salvation. It means to deliver to protect, either literally or figuratively, to heal, preserve, to save oneself, or to cause, to do well, to prosper, and to be made whole. In other words, the Lord doesn't just want to save your soul, He wants to make you whole. Now, I told you in my testimony that about the time I was 43 or so, I came to a real crisis moment in my life. I was at a place of deep, deep hopelessness. Now, I found out 
that there was a woman I had told you about that there were she came and prayed with me and she opened my eyes I guess to things that were in scripture that I had not known were there now I had a very bible based upbringing bring being saved at age 10 going to churches I'm I heard all kinds of preaching, but see, people didn't understand that there were things in the Word that were affecting them that they didn't understand. Once they're in there, they have a power and a force. Um, the first one that I want to mention is ungodly mindsets and beliefs. Now, we covered this one fairly in depth in episode one. After I shared my testimony, we talked about this area, so I'm going to go over it fairly quickly. An ungodly mindset or belief is any belief, decision, attitude, agreement, judgment, expectation, vow, or oath that does not agree with God, His Word, His nature, or His character. Romans 12.1 tells us that we need to be conformed to this world, not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And these are wrong beliefs we get about God, other people, the world around us, and even ourselves. I shared how I felt like God was dead. He didn't hear me. He didn't answer my prayers. And that was a belief I had to reformulate so that I could move past and begin to hear the Lord more clearly and know Him as He is. All right, number two. First is ungodly mindsets, beliefs. Number two, generational issues. These are tendencies or propensities towards certain behaviors that we can inherit from our ancestors. Some of the cycles that we can get in, we see them happening in patterns down through the generations. Your father might have had a problem with anger. You might have a problem with anger. And I'm using that one because this is true. Not my dad did and I did. So it can be something like anger, it could be addiction, it could be abuse, it could be abandonment, it could even be a physical ailment or low self-esteem. Some of the physical ailments that were in my life were migraines and insomnia. My mom had them both. Um, emotional, we kind of covered that, anger and other things, behavioral addictions, things like that. The disciples asked in John 9, 1, 2, 3, when Jesus had healed the man born blind, they asked, well, who sinned, Jesus, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus didn't say, oh, well, that can't affect him. That's not even valid. He said, well, no, it wasn't either one. But he certainly didn't refute that the sins that come before us can press down on us. They certainly can. And in Nehemiah, Ezra led the people in prayer. Of, in Nehemiah 9.2, Ezra led the people in prayer for repentance, not just for themselves, but for their forefathers that came before them. So it's very scriptural. It's in there. So sometimes you're like, well, I don't really believe this. And it's like, well, if it's there, you got to know. It's like gravity. You might not understand it, but it's working against you. So it's something you need to address. Uh, we don't want to talk too much about that one. Deliverance. I'm not going to do more than touch on that. I'm not talking about anything spooky here. You know, not not... Not anything like pigs running over the cliff, you know, Jesus dealt with some really heavy-duty stuff. But we're talking about pressure that we might feel from sources that are not God. They either get us to sin, encourage us to sin, or they keep us bound up in limitations. In Acts 10.38, we are told that Jesus was anointed by God with power 
and the Holy Spirit, and they went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. So we're talking about oppression. I mean, I know in my life at that 43-year-old point, I was definitely oppressed, repressed, depressed. <laughs> I was pressed. <laughs> and if you're feeling pressure, if you're being pressed, that's, you know, something you need to be aware of. All right, and number four. Now, this is where we're going to spend some time on soul and spirit hurts. Let me define that for you. These are hurts or wounds on the inside of a person. They are wounds to the soul or spirit of a person. They are carried within that person himself. They are not physical. You cannot see them. Their presence is revealed by their symptoms, but they may be manifested and of evidence and are of unhealed emotions, behaviors, and thoughts. Psalm 147.3 says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds and their sorrows. So I'm giving you some scripture here to support what I'm saying. And in summary, for all four of them, I think when you look at Isaiah 61, 1-3, Jesus in Luke 4 tells us that he was the fulfillment of that. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus was saying, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, to set at liberty those who are bruised. So that's pretty cool that we can find all of this in Scripture. Now, we want to talk about soul and spirit hurts, as I said. So some of the sources uh, where these things can happen, the death of a loved one, especially if it's traumatic, something either very unexpected, very uh, catastrophic, um, you know, something that just has left a gaping wound in your life. So I know that firsthand. My mom's death hugely impacted me. Uh, two, divorce. Let's talk about some more causes. Divorce either yourself that you have experienced or if you're a child and your parents are divorced. This can be so traumatic. Number three, abuse. This could be physical abuse, emotional abuse, verbal, sexual, any of those kinds. And then any kind of trauma, now if you've been in an accident, could be an auto accident, anything like that, maybe war, anything that's causing PTSD, some sort of trauma in your life that's not healed. It can be rejection, all kinds of rejection factors in to here. It could be some sort of catastrophic failure you experienced, some loss that has just been devastating in your life. And as I said, um, my mom's accident just really, really set me um, on a path that turned out to be uh, something that affected me for all the years of my life until I got healed of it as the Lord began to work in my 40s to move me past it. Um, the, some of the signs of unhealed wounds, inner wounds, are that um, hurt people are usually easily hurt, easily offended. You can have a real lack of joy and purpose and zest for your life. Depression, oppression, repression, all those things I said that I was uh, stuck in. And speaking of stuck, if you're feeling like you're stuck and you never move forward in your life, you can't get past certain stages where it seems like you're never you're never moving forward in your relationships or even you know the same patterns or destructive then you're going through them over and over. Sometimes you might even feel like you're moving backwards in your life. Well, there's really, really a good chance that there's some inner healing that needs to happen. 
Now, one of the things that happened to me, and I mentioned it, was that, um, like I said, even at that service as a 17-year-old, you know, people would come up to me and they would say, uh, you know, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for your loss. I'm sorry for, you know, that you lost your mom and your brothers. And I would just freeze. Like, I literally didn't know what to say. It was just so awkward and uncomfortable and raw and real. And I just shut down. It's like I could just see myself almost thinking about it um, when I needed to listen to some of that the memorial service tape from her service. It was like I was just like folding in on myself. I was trying to like protect myself because I hurt so bad. And so it was just so much easier to stay away from people than to, to, to try to figure out what to say to them. When they come up to you and say they're sorry, what was I supposed to do? Say, okay, thank you. I was in no position to do that. I was way too hurt, uh, you know, when I'm saying, you know, just just devastated. So I just, well, it's easier not to be around people. It's easier not to talk to people, right? And so then I just... Once you open that door to something unhealthy as a way to cope, as a way to maneuver through life and, and not, you know, try not, try not to um, just disintegrate, you have to have some way to get on with your life, right? So for me, it was to shut down socially. And it became so bad that, well, the enemy totally used it against me. In a way that, I mean, if I hadn't gotten healed from it, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today, that's for sure. And that's what the enemy will do. He'll find these areas where he can shut people down. Then they can't reach their destiny. So that's why we want to know about them. All right, so how are you going to get healed? Well, let's say, um, in my instance, um, let that memory come to the surface. All right? Uh, you need to allow the Lord to pull you back in. Now, when I listened to that memorial service tape of my mom's, when I heard the part where my dad was talking about how he had to call me at home alone because I had been um, working, babysitting, doing all these things, and the rest of the family had been off doing something. I was the oldest daughter at home and just graduated. So I wasn't with them. He had to call me and tell me when I was by myself, I was transported back in that moment of time. It's like, if you have a memory that just jumps in your head like you know exactly what I'm talking about possibly you might already have a memory in your mind something you know you have not healed from if not ask the Lord what it is allow him to bring that memory to surface to surface let yourself go back in that moment of time and be there and be honest with the Lord what are you feeling do you feel abandoned do you feel like he didn't uh, he didn't, uh, what would you say, protect you. Maybe you felt bitter that the Lord let this happen. Be honest with the Lord. Tell him what you're feeling. And then ask for his presence to flood that memory with you. Okay, so place yourself back there. Okay, so I, you know, I'm going to do it myself with you. Okay, just for an example. So I'm going to place myself back there in my um, childhood home. I'm going to pick up the phone and I'm going to hear this devastating news that an accident has happened and no one is even there in the house with me. And I'm going to invite Jesus to come. Okay, so let's say I'm crying now. I'm sobbing in my memory. And I, and I want Jesus to come. And I'm just 
thinking in my head, I'm like, what would Jesus do? Maybe you can picture him coming to give you a hug. That's what I did. I just could kind of let myself see myself sit down on the couch and Jesus is there and he's sorry and he's hurting with me. And he's like, I'm so sorry this happened. I'm so sorry you lost your mom. Sometimes we don't understand. We get caught up in this thing that, well, why did God allow it? Well, God doesn't allow things to happen because of... um you know, I hear people say, well, it was just their time to go or whatever. But, you know, you have to recognize that John 10.10 10 tells us that the thief came to kill, to steal, and destroy. And Jesus came to give life and give it more abundantly. So when I see death and destruction, I attribute it to Satan, to the devil. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, death happened. They began to die. Their bodies began to deteriorate. Weeds sprung up. All the bad stuff happened because of sin entering the world. So I don't get carried away with saying, oh, God allowed it and this and that. Well, he allows sin to happen because until he comes back, the effects of sin I'm talking about, until he comes back and restores everything till, to the whole point where he's bound Satan up and thrown him into the lake of fire, until that happens, you know, Bad stuff is going to happen, and he, it's not because he's doing it, you know. So acknowledge that. Bring him into the memory. Let him feel your pain. And ask. Ask him to begin the healing process. That's what I want to tell you. You have to ask. I probably read this verse to you last time on uh, episode 2, but I'm going to read it again. Acts uh no, excuse me, Luke eleven ten to 13. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? If he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then, being evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The gift of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who begins to heal you from that wound. Now, remember, I said I was super, super, super shy. Uh, withdrawal was what the Lord called it to me. I couldn't talk for nothing. Well, nobody said to me, um, well, be healed of that withdrawal. Be healed of your shyness. No one said anything. No one laid a hand on me. The Holy Spirit, God himself, took that off my life. So I want you to understand, you are not limited just because you don't have someone who can pray with you today, okay? He can begin to move in your life. You just have to ask him, okay? All right, now we're going to get down to where um, I remember I titled this, There Stands Before You an Open Door. Well, the Lord has been highlighting to me the verse Revelation 3.8. Now, I did tell you we were going to base a lot of this on the book of John. Well, John wrote the book of Revelation too, so we're going to count that, okay? Or at least I believe he did. Some of these things can't be proved, but I believe that he did. So, Revelation 3.8. I was going to read the portion of it that pertains uh, it says, see, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. This was spoken to the church at Philadelphia. Now, doors, open doors can represent decision, opportunity, expectation. So, uh, do any of y'all remember the game show, Let's Make a Deal? 
Well, you'd have to be kind of my vintage, although I think they have recreated the show, but the original show ran from 1963 to 1976. And if you recall, they had a thing called door number one, door number two, door number three. And the contestants had to decide whether to keep a certain amount of cash or whatever, or if they were going to go what was behind door number one, two, or three without knowing what was there, right? Do you remember that? Well, it's interesting. The Lord has shown me three doors that we're going to talk about. So door number one is the door of sin and death. All the effects of sin we've been talking about, the four areas, those are direct effects of sin. They might not be your sin, but it's a sinful world that's pressing down on us, right? Sometimes the sins of the fathers before us. Okay, so I'll give you a scripture for that. Genesis 4-7. Now, in this, God is talking to Cain. He has come to Cain after Cain presented the sacrifice that wasn't what God had asked for. My youngest one time went to Sunday school, came back, and I said, Oh, what did you learn today? And he's like, I learned that God didn't like Cain's carrots. I thought that was pretty cute. I guess they had illustrated um, that little story, and, and Cain had offered carrots to the Lord, and God didn't like it. So God comes and he says in verse 7, 4 7, If you do well, he's talking to Cain, will you not be accepted? If you offer what I ask, won't you be accepted? And if you do do well, if you do not do well, I better start that over. I kind of garbled it up. If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Okay? So sin opens a door. And there's things waiting, crouching there, waiting for you. The effects of it. Okay? Okay, door number two, life. <clears throat> Excuse me. That door is salvation, yes. But it's also abundant life and a life of intimacy with the Lord. We learned in John 10.10 10 about abundant life. Jesus, the true shepherd. In verse 7, though, same chapter, John 10, Jesus said, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Verse 9, again, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. So door number one, sin and death. Door number two, life. Door number three, the door of hope. This is a good one. I know probably a lot of us could use some hope right now. Um, Hosea 2.15 in the Amplified says, I will give her vineyards and make the valley of anger or troubling to be for her a door of hope and expectation. And she shall sing there and respond as in the day of her youth, as at the time when she came up out of the land of Egypt. Wow, that's powerful, picturing hope as a door. Now, this scripture is a beautiful prophetic passage of restoration. The Lord is promising to exchange trouble for a door of hope. The context is that Hosea had married a prostitute at God's request, and the situation was hopeless. His marriage was in shambles. Of course, I said she was a prostitute. She worshipped foreign gods. In the midst of this, the Lord promised that he would make a way to turn around these overwhelming circumstances. Now, you might not understand the richness of the context of this promise if you don't know that the valley of anchor or troubling uh, is referenced in Joshua. The children of Israel had come into a crisis. They had, had a victory over Jericho, but then Ai, um, had, they had the sin with Achan, at Ai. And because God removed his blessing as a result of the sin of Achan, one man, 
they stoned him there, and where they stoned him was named the Valley of Anchor or Troubling. So it was a really, really, like, what would you say, low place, like a cursed place almost. And the Lord was essentially saying to Hosea, I'm going to turn things around. It even seems like this woman is a curse to you, like that place where I had had the nation of Israel stoned to atone for the sin, but it's instead going to be a prophetic picture of what blessing will look like when it comes to the whole nation. So there is hope for you, Hosea, the Lord was saying, and for the nation. All right, so I really believe that the Lord is placing a door of hope before you today, before me and before you. Now, the Lord might be trying to open a door of opportunity for us, but catch this. If we keep unresolved issues, unforgiveness, and especially as I'm talking about today, unresolved soul-spirit hurts, inner wounds that we have never been healed from, then we can hinder the blessing of God. It certainly is true for my life. I had to get past some of these things, especially the trauma of my mom's accident, before I could experience not only abundant life, but the true picture of what God had planned for my life, because I was just too bound up. I, I wasn't even free to, to know what I was called to be or do. We also have to close the door to trouble, hurt, and pain. The things that happened in the past, we have to just close the door on them so that we can go through the new door of hope. So let me give you a few um, just tips or steps, the things that you could do. First of all, ask the Lord. Remember that verse, that scripture I read about ask. Seek Him about your life. Spend time with them and review the past years of your life. Is there anyone that you need to forgive? Are you hurt by anyone and haven't spent the time to get healed? Have you just got a lot of inner pain you've never tried to deal with? I mean, it's time to just seek the Lord about that. Second, release the circumstances, the disappointments and expectations which you felt were went unmet by your Heavenly Father. Let it go. You might even just hold your hands up, palms up, and just let it go. Ask the Lord if there's anything you need to repent of. Maybe it's you yourself, or even if you need to repent on behalf of your ancestors, a family that came before you. And then finally, ask the Lord to reveal a new strategy for you to move forward. You may, maybe you need to find some new friends, formulate some new habits. Maybe there's someone you need to extend an olive branch to, whether it's in your family or some other relationship. There's a lot of things that we can do to allow the Lord to begin to pour blessing in our life and turn things around so that we can pass from the valley of trouble to through the door of hope. Isn't that pretty cool? One of my favorite scriptures is Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Such a promise there. It's a context, too, of captivity. The Israelites had been carried off to Babylon. They were in captivity, but the Lord says, I have a plan. I have a plan, even in your place of trouble, to turn things around and give you hope. So, um, as my dad had said to read John 4, I want to close with that, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with that with a service that I do for him. As you read John 4, ask yourself, What's the open door standing before me that I need to go through? 
Do I need to make a decision for salvation? Go through the door of life. Do I need to move forward in areas of healing and wholeness? Also available through that door. So that I can have an abundant life. And maybe you need to go through that door called hope. Asking the Lord to restore hope to you. And whatever it is that you need, the way, the path, the door is Jesus. Remember, I read from John 10, 9, Jesus is the door. Jesus is the door that stands open before you today. Jesus is that door. What's in the name? What's in the name of Jesus? Everything. Salvation, wholeness, abundant life, hope, healing. Acts 4.12 says there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Through Jesus' name, we receive salvation and so much more. All right, you guys, I hope you are blessed um, by what you heard today. There stands before you an open door. If you have not addressed areas of your life where you know you were wounded, let those memories surface, as I told you. Allow the Lord to walk through that process with you, to comfort you, and just see what happens. I know he will answer your prayer. Amen? Bless you guys. I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Preparing the Way, the Practical Prophetic. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your positive review helps the show reach more people with our message. And please visit our website at www.starfireministries.org where you can donate, read our latest articles, and keep up to date with us on all of our social media sites. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.